This morning, I'm pleased to announce that the Secretary and the Chief of Staff of the Air Force have selected Burlington as the first Air National Guard base for the F-35. Bunch of things must have gone wrong if you're listening to this. We made this decision five years ago and we've continued on that path. May Day. May Day. But after a night in which 12,000 Burlingtonians vote and it seems that a majority of them uh, have concern. Chappy! Chappy, where are you? Just put in that tape. There's an order. Our Vermont Guard, Army Guard, and Air Guard are there for all Vermonters. Nothing you can do about me. Chappie, I want to help you. Where are you? Time high, like I told you. And I didn't make I didn't make the decision. The Air Guard didn't make the decision about the basing. The Air, the Air Force did after following a process. You really believe that nonsense you're saying? The Vermont Guard began to lobby for the newest and most sophisticated fighter jets in the mid-2000s. Look at me when I talk to you. I wish I had the power to tell our Army or our Air Force or our Navy what they must or must not do, but... I can't think of any senator of either party who's ever had that kind of power. Doug, I ain't going to make it. What is the purpose of this machine? God doesn't give people things he doesn't want them to use. This F-35 is what's called a fifth-generation fighter. Like an iron eagle that nothing can penetrate. It feels like what you don't want to do is have to respond to the people in the actual community. Who is it supposed to protect us from, protect us from, protect us from. And for many, many reasons, I think the National Guard deserves to have that plane here. I was born during the Carter administration. (laughs) (laughs) I I just realized that I was born in the Carter administration two days ago. And it's left an indelible mark on you, obviously. it has. It It gives me a whole new perspective on my life. God, I wish I was born in the Carter administration. I know, you were born in the Reagan administration, like a fascist. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Should we get started then? Let's get started, absolutely. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to ABC Cafe, a Vermont-focused podcast for curious people where we interview artists, comedians, politicians, Anybody. Anybody Pretty that'll much talk anybody. To, anybody that'll talk to us about specific issues that are relevant to the Vermont community. Exactly. Vermont. Any anywhere in Vermont, including Barry. My name's Anthony Apodaca, and this is Daniel Trigg. And today we're going to be talking about the F-35s. And we wanted to do an episode on the F-35s. Well, I wanted to do an episode personally because they terrorize my family and basically <laughs> everyone in my neighborhood. Flying over uh, almost daily, um, incredibly loud. Whatever, whatever you're you're thinking loud is, make it louder. I have a 16 month old son. I was on a walk the other day, and about seven or eight just flew overhead right in a row. I'm trying to plug my son's ears. Uh, no one's plugging my ears. He's crying, and it was just it was just nonstop. And it is it is horrifying. And it's it horrifying lasts, loud, and, and it, it lasts, lasts for like minutes, minutes at a time, right? Yeah. So we wanted to dig into this a little bit, figure out how they came to how they came to be based here, who the major players were, and and who what are to people, blame? Who to blame? <laughs> and also, it, who who's doing something about it? And 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 is there? Any hope on the horizon, and you'll find that the the leaders, as we'll see later on, we're going to talk to um, Zevad Chassan, 
and James Mark Leas, two local activists who've been working this. Uh, James was around at least since the first announcement, um, going back to 2010, about the F-35s, and he spent a long time uh, researching and writing. Um, you can find him on the Cancel the F-35 substack, which we'll put links to in the show notes. Um, we're going to have them on as guests, but one thing that they talk about explicitly is the failure of the leadership, the, the our elected officials, to really address this issue honest, honestly. Yeah, uh, both at the state and um, federal level, just complete Great. hand-washing. Before we get to the interview, uh, we wanted to just really underscore the suffering that is happening for people um, on the ground in Winooski, uh, in Williston even, in South Burlington. And we wanted to draw your attention to a new film called Jetline, which you can find at jetlinefilm.com. And basically, they uh, the creators of the film put up um, notices all over Burlington to call in and leave messages about their experiences with the F-35s. And I would encourage everyone to, to check out their work. I also want to read something here from a recent email exchange between Frank Haddleton and Senator Leahy. So Frank... Haddleton emailed Senator Leahy to complain about the response on 4-20-2021, and Leahy responded on 4-22-2001. I'd like to read a section of Haddleton's um, letter followed by um, a section of, of Leahy's response. The F-35s have robbed us of our right to quietly enjoy our homes. They prevent us at random times beyond our control from thinking, from conversation, from sleeping, and from relaxing. They are causing hearing damage, tinnitus, increased anxiety, high blood pressure, and many other medical problems for hundreds if not thousands of residents. Our youngest residents are the most vulnerable to the long-term consequences of the erroneous deployment of the F-35s here. You speak of noise mitigation by somehow spending money on our homes, but the F-35 noise is so loud and of such a low frequency that no material can effectively mitigate it. It doesn't just come through the windows. Mine are new and double glazed, which doesn't help. It comes through the walls and through the roofs of our homes. It cuts through everything, including our bodies. The F-35s do not belong in a heavily populated area. Our military knows that. It's hard to understand why you don't know that. They should have their own airstrip in an unpopulated area if they exist at all. All right, so that's Haddleton's letter to say. I mean, that's part of Haddleton's letter to Leahy. All right, so this is Leahy's response. I think I might just read the whole thing. Why read the whole thing. I'm going to read the you whole can thing edit and I can it edit down it out. If you yeah. want, you know. all right. Dear Mr. Haddleton, thank you for contacting me about the F 35 and our community. I appreciate hearing your concerns, even when I do not share your views. Nobody thinks that. <laughs> the health and safety of our communities are very important to me, and I have always and will always work on Vermonter's behalf in the Senate. I supported the basing of the F-35 because I believe the Vermont Air National Guard betters our communities. Go, okay. Yep. Let's Now is where a list should uh, accrue uh, of how it betters our communities. Right. And the only list is jobs for a thousand people <laughs> that 
could be put to use doing something else or flying a different plane. Hey, listen, we're paying people to live here. It's cool. Don't yeah. worry about the noise. And and the resolution that Burlington passed, by the way, was not to just like shut down the guard. No. It was to change the mission and maybe like get a different plane. Yeah. So like how do you how do you argue that specifically the F thirty five is better for our communities? I'm more of a F twenty two Raptor fan. Yeah. I'm that, not going to lie to you. That plane's sick. If Come that on. plane was here, we wouldn't be doing this. I don't care how loud it is. No way. And also what communities, right? It's like, yeah. it's clearly, there's a person this in your community. This is boilerplate. I mean. In your community. I know it's boilerplate, but it's worth it's worth dissecting. For sure, yeah. That you have someone in, their, in the community. You know at this point that there's been hundreds, if not thousands of complaints. Thousands, thousands. Of, of, of the plane, and you're still saying it's better for the community. What, what community do you represent? Yeah. It goes on. Burlington International Airport is leading an effort to implement a community noise mitigation plan, which includes agreements with the Air National Guard about operational use of the aircraft, as well as funding from the Federal Aviation Administration, parentheses, FAA. Oh, for, that's what that means? <laughs> I guess. I never for, knew. <laughs> for its, I was always calling it FA. Fa. For its plan for sound mitigation in buildings. All right, so, wait, so I'm going to ignore the thing that you just said, which is you can't <laughs> mitigate the sound because it goes through the fucking roof. <laughs> Further help communities adjust. I created a fund in the fiscal year 2020 appropriations bill that, for the first time, allows the Department of Defense to assist communities and the FAA with noise mitigation plans. Generations of Vermonters have supported the Vermont Air National Guard through many aircraft with many different sounds. (laughs) Since the days of pilots wearing leather helmets. In an open cockpit. Because the Guard always supports our communities in times of need. Again, that's not an argument. Yeah. We don't need to support the Guard's basing of the F-35s in Burlington. Yeah. To have a reciprocity with the guard that if there's a fire, they're going to help us out. That's, yeah, like, because what? they always support, what, toys for tots? Like, what yeah, exactly. are you... You can make that argument about anything, right? Yeah, the fire department does way more and could use way more money. Well, we don't know how much the fire That's true. Let's forget. We're going to leave that part <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, no, we're going to leave that part out. The COVID-19 crisis has been... I, look, I don't understand what this has to do... So he's basically. Oh, this is this is the blame. This is great. This, this is, is great. The blame. This is yeah. great. Right. No, hit it. The COVID nineteen crisis has been no different. The guard deployed their engineers to build an alternate healthcare facility in just a matter of days. Supported hospital staff with medical personnel at UVM Medical Center and distributed food boxes to thousands of struggling families. The Vermont Air National Guard is an indispensable part of their community. But they are also a fighter wing, one of the best. And the F-35 is the future of Air Force fighter wings. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You go. Okay. So, yes, that's great. But it doesn't have to be the F-35. They can. We're not against the Air National Guard. And that seems to be the tack he's taking here. Exactly. It's like... Your response is, but they gave food boxes to struggling families. And it's like, great, but they didn't do that. <laughs> as be a doing quid- that shit anyway. <laughs> they didn't do that as a quid pro quo to get a plane. So that's his argument. I think it's a bit shame, shameful, shameless. Shameless. Shameless, shameless. really. It's shameless. Yeah. And um, it's basically pitting 
you know, it's arguing that because of the good things that the Vermont National Guard, the Vermont Air National Guard does. Absolutely. That they should have a green light to terrorize everybody with this ridiculously over budget plane that even the Air Force now is starting to admit is basically a failure. Now we're going to cut to an interview we did with Ze'eva Chasson and James Marklius. Ze'eva and James, thank you for coming on ABC Cafe. Starting with James, because I know you've been around for the... Uh, for going going way back, um, would you mind taking us back to your first involvement with uh, with the F thirty fives and their sort of the first wind you got of it um, back in I guess two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen I guess the decision was made. But if you could right. take us back to that bygone era, yeah, I think it was around two thousand ten when they when the announcement was first made that that uh, the Burlington Airport was going to be a candidate for the F-35 basing. And uh, there are so many problems, uh, social issues and social justice issues. I wasn't really sure I would get involved in this. But when I saw how many people were concerned, I knew that this was, uh, and that this was something that uh, was really motivating people. I thought that I would uh, help out. Uh, so the first event that I recall going to was uh, a, a very large meeting at the high school in South Burlington, uh, where the announcement was made. Uh, there were many public officials uh, and uh, representatives from the congressional delegation offices, the governor, uh, and um, lots and lots of business people. Um, finally, after all of them, they, they arranged the meeting so that it was very top heavy. Mm-hmm. And all the people who spoke were in favor of bringing the F-35 to Vermont until they finally allowed members of the audience. And it was at least 500 people filling the auditorium. Um, and then we started to hear some voices criticizing and opposing the basing of the F-35. And I, 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 I thought this uh, was this was an issue that uh, was of serious concern in Vermont, not just because of the noise and not just because of the crash danger, but also because militarism. We don't, Vermont is a place which has a long tradition of opposing militarism. And why should our state be so heavily involved in the wars? Uh, we would, there was a huge amount of opposition to the Iraq war. And so uh, why are we getting involved in being a base for F-35 jets, making Vermont a target uh, for a, uh, any enemy that the U.S. is threatening or invading. Yeah, so one of the arguments, yeah, one of the arguments that I hear, and this was sort of Senator Sanders' position, unfortunately, was... The question is not whether we have the, F, the F-35 or not. It is here. 
The question for me is whether it is located in Burlington, Vermont, or whether it is located in Florida. That's the issue. I don't think that's a very sophisticated argument, but you know, where do you come down on that? Um, and I'll, I'll open that to either of you. They just shouldn't be anywhere. Like, they're just imperialism incarnate. We should be railing against them wherever they wind up. The excuse that they'll go somewhere else just means we should protest, do whatever, fight to have them not be in that place either. Right. I, I totally agree with Zeva. Um, we, we built the campaign advocating not in Burlington and not anywhere. And we thought that if we could prevent their basing here or now that they're here, uh, terminate their use here for uh, for practice training flights, uh, then it would inspire and help others in other places to campaign and be successful in preventing and opposing F-35s in their communities. I, re I remember uh, there was um, Wisconsin, right? Uh, that uh, was also going through or is going through or has gone through a very similar situation. And they looked to us to kind of gauge what it would look like for them. Uh, have you uh, had any in uh, any contact with anybody from, I think it was Madison, uh, Wisconsin? That's, yeah, uh, th there's a military, there's an Air National Guard base uh, in Madison, and they came to visit here, uh, their, right. their mayor, and uh, some of their, I think, one or two of their city councilors and others came to visit, and I did meet them. Um, and uh, so they're very interested in the in the movement that we've generated here, and we're also very interested in what they're doing. Uh, the um, uh, as far, I just wanted to go back to Senator Sanders. He's a person who really makes a point of uh, working class solidarity. And it's so surprising that he would make the argument that you raised, that if it's, that if it's going to be here, uh, that it's going to be anywhere, it might as well be here. Because that's what we need is the kind of solidarity all around the United States and, in fact, in other countries as well, uh, because the F-35 is being based uh, in numerous countries around the world. We've got to bring everyone together in solidarity to oppose it. And mm. I think that's something that Bernie Sanders uh, understands. And it's very surprising that he would raise an argument contrary to that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It seems that he might have missed the mark on that one. There was definitely, uh, you could see, you could see that, uh, because uh, especially with the Air Force and, and uh, with the F-35s in general, it's just all about, well, job creation. It's all about job creation. We're going to have a lot of jobs, and and jobs play well um, to the general public, and and it just kind of seemed that that's kind of where Bernie went with that argument. Well, just... I can... go ahead. I would just say that the Air Force disputed that argument. The Air Force said there would be no increase in jobs if the F-35 came here. And they said that in writing in the environmental impact statement. Right. 
So there's a couple of uh, I want to there's a couple of directions we could go here, but um, I just want to I want to come back to in in the beginning, so to speak, before we move on, which is to say who who in your opinion or in in as your in, in the course of your um your work in this area, who have been the major players that were responsible for bringing the F-35s to Vermont? Like and Sanders, primarily, as far as I know. Right. Yeah. Right. Primarily, I think the leader on this was Bernie Sanders. And there was an article in uh, one of the local news organizations, VT Digger, that uh, uh, in which he was interviewed. Uh, Patrick Leahy was interviewed by the reporter, and he admitted. Oh, you mean the major? The major party was Leahy. Sorry, not Sanders. You said Sanders. So yeah, Leahy was the major player there. Ma- yeah, Leahy was yeah, the yeah, major yeah. player. Okay, perfect. And he's he's the most senior senator of all 100 senators, and um, he's he was chair, I think, of the Appropriations Committee and the and the Judiciary Committee. And so he had a lot of power and uh, a lot of influence. And uh, documents that were obtained in response to a lawsuit uh, uh, that were gotten from the Air Force in discovery uh, showed that the internal discussions and emails and all kinds of documents. And what it showed was that there was persistent communication, persistent uh, pressure from Senator Leahy to bring the F-35 to Vermont, even though Vermont was determined to be the least favorable, the most unfavorable uh, from impact on the civilian population. For anyone that wants to follow that, if you're listening, um, that VT Digger was um, Jasper Craven or Craven. I don't know actually how to pronounce his name. And the article is uh, around, it's called Leahy's Staff as Central Control Around F 35 Basing Decisions in VT Digger. So people can look that up. I'll post it in the show notes as well for the podcast. Um, and what about the guards' role in lobbying for the F-35s? Because there's, there has been reports that they were, and we have a clip of this where we're going to play in the beginning of the show before this interview, um, that they the guard was lobbying in the mid-2000s basically for, for the basing of the F-35 here. And I bring that up because what we have here is a situation where um, after Burlington voted 55%, um, to cancel the the F thirty five basing, and then um, Joan Shannon introduced a resolution to basically ask the guard to find a new mission. Uh, Weinberger decided not to sign off on that resolution. It passed anyway. He did not veto it, and there was some interviews around that time. And one of them is Leahy says, um, I, I, "This is a quote." I wish I had the power to tell our army, or our air force, or our navy what they must or must not do, but I can't think of any senator of either party who's ever had that kind of power. How do you see the the people who brought it, brought the F-35 here as sort of shirking away from their own responsibility? And, you know, what can we, what can be done to remind people that they're not powerless players here? They're not, they're not passive players. Like the guard 
was not a passive player. Leahy was not a passive player, but it seems like they're playing the passive role now. And the guard is basically saying, you know, um, Major General Stephen Cray says, I didn't make the decision. The Air Guard didn't make the decision about the basing. The Air, the Air Force did after following a process. So, um, you know, it's it's the Air Force's responsibility to, to answer, um, you know, a letter or a resolution or whatever that's being proposed from the city council. I mean, do we buy that argument? And, and what can we do to remind people that they actually did have a part in that decision? Sounds like they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, with, like, they want to have the planes, they want to have them here, but with none of the responsibility that comes with that, none of the accountability. I think that's absolutely right. And uh, no public official wants to take the credit for bringing the F-35 to Vermont or for being responsible for the training flights themselves. None of them want to take the responsibility or the blame or the credit. Uh, they, they all say it's a wonderful thing, but for some reason, uh, they don't want to take the credit. The politicians are so quick to take credit in other situations, but it's remarkable that we don't have anyone saying, hey, it's me. I, I'm, I'm the guy who's bringing it here. And I think that's that's because, well, we did have the vote in Burlington that you mentioned. 55% wanted to cancel it even before they heard it, even before it was here in 2018. And now in Winooski, just uh, two and a half months ago, three months, what is it, March, April, two months ago, we had the vote in Winooski where two thirds, we had 67% voted to halt the F-35 training flights in any populated area, including Winooski. And I think that that was um, a a terrific, uh, resounding uh, vote of opposition to continued flights in Vermont. Now, the flights are separately at the power. Who has power over the training flights themselves is separate from who had power to bring them here. And that's very interesting. It comes from the founders of this country because they put this right in the U.S. Constitution. And one power that was expressly given to the states in the Constitution is the power to train the militia, now called the National Guard. So the power of appointing the officers and training the militia belongs to the states. So now the state can decide, well, we're not going to have this anymore. This is hurting Vermonters, and we don't want to be a government that hurts our own people. And so the the governor can order a halt to the training flights in Vermont. And even the legislature can hold hearings and get the facts out show that this is very damaging and ask the governor to take responsibility. He's the commander in chief in our, in the Vermont constitution and take responsibility for halting the training flights in Vermont, but he won't do it. He's actually was quoted in Vermont digger uh, last week saying it's the federal government that's responsible the Guard has a federal mission, and which is not true. 
because there is no federal mission to do any kind of dangerous training in a populated area. They may, they may be required to do training, but they're not required to do it from a runway in a city or in, and in amidst the most densely populated area of Vermont. So the governor's statement was totally misleading. But as you were saying earlier, civil, the, the, the public has a voice. We have power too, and we can resist. And yeah. I think that's what's really building up in Vermont is opposition to this and the demand that the training flights be stopped. And that's what we saw in the vote in Winooski. You're right. I think now, especially that the planes are here, because before we had the F-16s, and yeah. but the F-35s are four times louder. And I think there was some misleading information about how loud they were actually going to be. I think a lot of people in the public sphere were thinking, oh, yeah, it's probably loud, but how loud can it be? And I've, I've tried to explain to people that don't actually live here. It's like, whatever whatever you're imagining right now for how loud you think the plane is, like multiply that by 10, because it is deafening. If anyone living in Winooski or Burlington didn't realize that before, they certainly do now. And I know that in the month of April, there were um, an open platform for, to submit complaints to the guard, which was published, I think in VT Digger, the number of complaints. And I know... James, that you have recently requested um, for the pub through the Public Records Act of um, to get the actual details of of those complaints from the guard. And I, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you're attempting to do there, and if you've had any response from the guard to your to your inquiry. Right. Well, when guard a report gave the BT Digger the numbers over, and it added up to over 900 complaints in the last 12 months. Uh, well, that's a lot of complaints. Uh, and that's a lot of, so, a lot of more, a lot more people are home, obviously over the last year. Yeah. That's what they said. Well, it's only because people are home, but right. that's no, if, if people are, People are being exposed to it, and they're complaining. And we don't, we don't, we don't why don't they disclose who they are? Maybe they're uh, people who aren't working. There's a lot of elderly people in the noise zone. There are a lot of children in the noise zone. Not everyone is a worker who's leaving the house. So, and there are businesses. Correct me if I'm there, wrong. In that, there are businesses yeah. in Winooski. <laughs> Go figure. And there are businesses, <laughs> there are businesses and workers. In and students. And, and schools. schools. Yeah. yeah. And right. churches. And it's not just Winooski. The, the, the uh, complaints are coming in from all the, the town, cities and towns. There are three cities, Burlington, Winooski, and uh, South Burlington. And then there's the uh, very densely populated part of Williston that's also in the oval-shaped extreme noise contour that the Air Force identified around the airport. Yeah. So if you measure it on the map, you'll see it's a little more than five miles long by a little more than one mile wide. 
it's a little more than five square miles. It's about it's oval shaped. So it's yeah. it's something like so it isn't a huge area. But the Air Force said that within that area and the airport takes up part of it. But within that area, there are six thousand six hundred people living. It is an enormously densely populated area. It it does cover half of this noise contour covers half of Winooski, which is the most densely populated city in the state. It has 7,200 people living in one square mile. So uh, there's a lot of danger from the noise. The Air Force said they're going to be taking off and landing, and it adds up to 300 takeoff and landings a month, or somewhere between 300 and 600 actually take off and landings a month. So that that's thousands of potential injuries to your hearing, to your brain, especially if you're growing up and, and the Air Force in the environmental impact statement talked about learning impairment, cognitive development impaired for children, and then the hearing damage on top of that. So uh, what they said was in the Air Force environmental impact statement was that a single exposure to noise at 130 decibels can cause hearing loss, but at 114 decibels, you need repeated exposure. Mm -hmm. So, and they had experimental data that they referred to showing that at the level of the F-35, which is more than 114 decibels. It's like 125, I think, or something like at that. At 500 feet, it's yeah. 124 decibels. At 1,000 feet, they were saying 115 decibels. So people are repeatedly being exposed to noise at that level that the Air Force itself said could cause hearing damage. Now, when you get older, if you have hearing damage and you're not hearing um, as acutely as you did when your hearing was good, you start to lose social contact with other people. It becomes more difficult to, to hear what they're saying. So it's not only children who are having the problem of hearing damage and cognitive impairment, but older people as well. This is something that shouldn't be done to us by our government. This no. is a this is a criminal act that the government is engaged in and the people responsible should be held accountable just like anybody else who assaults another person. I think part of the reason that they're getting away with it and just part of the reason that like we see more and more weapons like this just existing is that it's seen as an acceptable cost to pay to fight like socialism that's what we see with them ramping up the cold war with china that's super connected to the f-35s here is just them setting up like other countries as our enemies so we don't have solidarity with the people on the ground who are getting what we're getting but also bombed they're trying to divide us from people who have, we have more in common with in other countries than we do with our leaders who we elect so we really need international solidarity and solidarity with workers, especially like in Winooski, 
It doesn't matter if you're in workers outside of a flight zone, you need solidarity with workers in the flight zone. So that way we can utilize our power regardless of where we're at. And one of the interesting things, just taking that a little bit further, one interesting thing was that the Air Force, again, in the environmental impact statement, said that the noise of the F-35 has disproportionate impact on low-income and minority populations. Uh, so what they were saying, as Zieva said, is that this is hitting working-class people. It's hitting ethnic minorities. It's hitting immigrants. And if you look at Winooski, 20 languages are spoken. Um, mm -hmm. Children going, many of the children going to the school learn English for the first time when they get to school. Uh, we have a large immigrant community there. And we have a lot of working class people. If you look at the contour map, you'll see that the part of Burlington that's within that noise danger zone is the Chase Street area near the uh, near the bridge to Winooski, mm -hmm. a low income area. It's not a high. We don't have any of the high income areas like the hill section where the well, mayor. Yeah, lives. I mean, does anybody believe for five seconds that if the the high noise area on that map was the hill section, that there would be F thirty fives in Vermont? Yeah, no chance. No, they can't even handle no a protest outside of their home. They exactly. Like James, I wanted to real quick go back to my original question here, which we got a little bit off, which which is fine. We have. The thing about podcasts is all the time in we the have world. all the time in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, the uh, the request for public records, I was could could oh, wow. you could you tell me about that? And if you've heard anything back from the guard, and if you expect to hear anything back from the guard? Well, okay. So my expectation is yes, I expect to hear back. The Vermont National Guard is a state agency. It's an agency of the state of Vermont. And every agency of the state is subject to the Public Records Act. And that act requires prompt disclosure of public records. Now, there are exceptions. There are, there's a long list of exceptions. So if they're going to, if the guard is going to um, refuse, they have to cite what exception they're basing their rejection on and give the facts showing that that it really does apply. But this material that I was requesting was the voice um, mails that people left on the ARDS recording system that allowed people to file complaints. It wasn't anything secret. It's it's information provided by the public to the guard. So the one thing they could say that they don't want to disclose and they could redact is the identity of the complainer. So they could make a transcript, very easy to make transcripts nowadays of voice recordings, right? And just redact a name if one was provided. They know how to do that. I've done public records and FOIA requests before, and you see the redaction. Mm -hmm. So there's no, I can't think of any excuse 
why this information should be withheld. But if they do find some reason for part of it to be withheld, they can redact that part. If there's some personal information provided, fine, redact that. What we're what the public is really interested in knowing is what people are complaining about. Is it the noise? Is it something else? Maybe they're saying good things. Maybe they like it. So let's find out what the complaints are. Are people in pain? Are they, is their hearing damaged? Are they suffering in some way? Why don't we learn what those complaints are? Now, because, uh, because we had no way of knowing until just last week how many complaints and even whether people were using the Vermont Guard complaint form. About a year ago, I started my own complaint system. And it's online. Anybody can use it. Uh, there's, um, it's a Google form. And, it, and it, we've developed it. This is the fourth version that we're using right now. Over 200 people have submitted complaints to this latest version of it that just started a few weeks ago. But uh, altogether, there have been something like 1,500 complaints submitted. And how, how, and could, people, how could people find that? It's a good question. I think I'll set. Can <laughs> you I can send, send this. You send us an email about it. If you I'll send us a link, I'll put it in the show notes. So if anybody listening, they can um, scroll down, scroll down to the old uh, scroll note, scroll show notes, and find it. Now, I was just going to say that that form shows a large number of people reporting pain. Mm -hmm. Why should people be put in pain by their own government? It also shows a large number of people reporting ringing in the ears, hearing damage, and distress, and anxiety, and fear, and worry about their children's hearing, and worry about, about their pets even. And so the, this whole community, and it's hundreds of people have submitted, uh, we have a whole community in distress and suffering at the hands of what is really an illegal assault on a civilian population by military forces. And they know that they're doing it. It isn't like, okay, there's a military operation. It happens once and they make a mistake and in civilians get injured. That happens, right? But here they're doing it every day. They know they're hurting people. They've gotten a... They've gotten 900 complaints themselves. They've and I send the I send the military the reports. Google automatically generates these reports. Mm -hmm. You can see charts, graphs, and in your own words statements. There are many places where people write in in their own words what their experience is like. So it's all available to the everybody can look at it and see these results. Do you publish and that so somewhere? Do you publish the results of that somewhere that we yes. could also send to us? And we'll, it's just we on the internet. Everybody, I'll send you that too. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, so you can see the how, how to submit your own uh, complaint and look at the results of previous complaints. And um, it's, just, it's just horrifying that our public officials are allowing this to happen. Now, Vermont has the power to stop it. 
It says so right in the United States Constitution that the states have the authority, reserved to the states is the authority of training the militia. So use the authority and stop it. But they won't because the people who run this state, as they have said, are tied in. They're tied into the war machine. They support these wars, these wars of aggression, and they're willing to sacrifice Vermonters just for training. Training could be done anywhere. You don't have to do training from a runway in a city. No, so I mean, I don't know if, if anybody has ever flown across this country from New York to Seattle. A lot of green. You've probably seen that. It's a whole lot of nothing. A lot of space. A lot of middle. space. And it's it, it's mind blowing that you would that you would decide to put to put these planes here. Let al- and I think we did do need to separate. There, there's there's two things as I see it, and they are connected. But you know, one is why do we have these planes at all? And the second one is why are they based here? And um, so I think I've enjoyed this conversation because I, I think it's very interesting to explore why they're based here and what we can do and what we are doing and, and the history of that. So, you know, thank you so much for, for bringing, bringing us up to speed on this. I was um, thinking about this. I was like, man, we should just make a podcast about the F-35s in Vermont because there's so much information and so much history and so many angles. Um, We could talk about the legal impacts. We could talk about the environmental impacts. You know, there's a whole area of militarism. I think there's a racial justice component because, I mean, you mentioned low-income housing, and I just, you know, Venuski is also the most diverse city in the state as well. And I don't think that's that's an accident. I mean, I think, you know, we have Senator um, Haddleton. Who is this guy? Haddleton, who just wrote to Senator Leahy. I saw it on the um, the Substack that you run. Right. You know, wrote wrote to Senator Leahy just just complaining about the the suffering that that he's experiencing and his his dog and his family. And Leahy's response is Uh, This is a quote. I supported the basing of the F-35 because I believe the Vermont Air National Guard betters our communities. And the question I have, if I ever got to interview Leahy, is what communities? What what communities (laughs) are benefiting and what communities are suffering? And it isn't it isn't as if there is a Vermont community. That doesn't make any sense. There's 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 many Vermont communities, and they're going to be impacted differently depending on what kind of policies you know, that you, that you have in place. I wanted to end, um, cause we're running, running up against the clock here. Um, even though I said we had unlimited time, that was, that was a lie. I have to go home to my family. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask, you know, where is the, um, where's the fight as it stands and how can people getting involved? How can people listening uh, get involved. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they're thinking, hey, how could I get in touch with people and, you know, have my voice be heard and, you know, h- help out with, with the work that you're doing? Well, I think that there's huge opportunities to be involved. Uh, we've, um, this summer we're going to be, hopefully we're going to be able to do some outdoor activities to have uh, uh, rallies and uh, protest where last summer we had a joint uh, protest rally on 
July 4th, uh, co-sponsored with the Black Perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been talking about doing something similar this summer. We're also going to be having uh, working with the Black Perspective to have educational events as well. And we're looking to bring in uh, other other organizations to help plan and participate in this. Uh, so it wouldn't just be these other our two groups. It would we're looking to bring in more uh, forces. Uh, we think that uh, bringing together large numbers of people is the way to exert power, and that's what's needed here. This isn't. We're not going to persuade the authorities. They've made it absolutely clear that they're determined to hurt Vermonters using F-35 jets. And they're not going to stop unless people unite and find and start exerting the authority of the people. Uh, And we saw last summer uh, that the huge demonstrations uh, in Burlington and around the world made some change. And that's, I think, what we need to do here in Vermont to bring the F-35 to a halt. And just kind of to bounce off what you two were saying, especially what Anthony said about uh, Leahy's comment about community, that's kind of his grift is like saying, we're part of a community, this benefits us when what we really need to do is push back on that narrative and just other imperialist narratives, like especially with all the hawking going on against China these days, like when someone brings up, shares that article or something, just call them out on it and tell them, no, we don't need to start a fight with China. We have our own problems dealing with the government at home that like James has said multiple times, are, is attacking us. Like they're attacking our communities to make it easier for them to fight other people's communities in other countries. Like just pushing back on the mainstream narrative that we bring freedoms and democracies across the world when in reality, we're just taking everybody's lunch money. That's a great place to leave it. I mean, not a great place to leave it, it's a shitty place to leave it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, where we, that's where we have to leave it. Um, James Zeva, thank you so much um, for coming on ABC Cafe. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, that was a very enlightening conversation, I hope, for you guys. Um, if you'd like to support us at all. You can't. Uh, <laughs> we don't take any money. We don't want your money. Uh, but you can go to our website, listen to our other episodes. You can tell a friend. Um, it's abccafepod.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We don't post anything but our shows, but you can follow us there anyway. Um, and that'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. God damn, I feel like I'm on the Starship Enterprise. Uh, what's it called again? <laughs> I know. He's using a trackpad.